The following podcast episode is recommended for a mature audience. It may contain coarse language and the topics discussed might be inappropriate for people under 15 years of age. Listener discretion is advised. Hi guys, welcome back to part two of um, our, our Asian film representation with Sophia Shek. Sophia's um, kindly agreed to come back to talk uh, representation, creamery, uh, filmmaking, and a little bit of tennis. So uh, take it away, Sophia. I don't have much comment. You, you should diversify the directors you like in the sense they're all cis male to me. Uh, and I, I think given, you know, I'm a... Um, I think uh, we've never, female directors are never given the right opportunities to, to excel, I feel like. And I hope like uh, in future years and, and when you become a more established filmmaker, there is more opportunities to, for female directors. And you're like, you might just say, oh, actually, I really like this film. Maybe this female director. And, you know, and I know it manly like you know subjects usually drive people who like towards like Clint Eastwood and you know and and the director you just talked about the action stuff everyone has 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 their love for genre but uh, fortunately Marvel have started um engaging with um, female directors and 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 their franchise as well so that's really wonderful to see and I hope there's more of us uh, behind the scenes as well Uh, there there is quite a few in terms like terms of screenwriting and stuff but they sometimes not given the right opportunities so I hope that will change it's still an incredibly tiny percentage less than five percent I think um, especially when you see award nominations and stuff as well I'm actually really looking forward to um, Chloe Zhao's um, movie Eternals that, that's coming out soon. I think she, I think she directed an epi- some episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier or something as well. So I'm really looking forward to that. And also Deborah Chow, who directed some of the Mandalorian episodes. I mean, I didn't know who she was um, until I saw the show. Um, but yeah, like you're right. And I think, I think with, the problem is like you've got you've got a lot of you know what like what you said was it five percent of female directors oh, oh, don't call me someone needs to google this right now oh, okay I, I definitely know it's below ten percent it's just like not a lot but chloe shall is yeah well established before before like people take notice of her like doing eternals you know like she did like audrey have you seen her latest film Nomadland. I was just you, gonna say. I was. I was gonna mention Nomadland because I did watch that. I was. I love that movie. It was amazing. Yeah, I, I people. I was just absolutely the way she uh, did that film is incredible. It was just absolutely incredible. It, it was so immersive, how, wasn't it? Like I felt like I was on that journey with her, and it was. Just, how, do you, how do you work with real oh, nomads oh, and amazing to be able to integrate mm-hmm. that into? film like Nomadland mm. I mean that is incredible in sense you know and I think like mm. um yeah but it was also- just amazing I- I was just because it was also just such an interesting subculture of America. You never hear about, you know what I mean? Like those people that, you know, the town is just dead oh, now. Yeah. What happens to those towns that are just dead? You know, when the when the business is left and you just left with this ghost town, and you know, and and you know, her husband 
you know, she's a widow at the beginning. Like, where where do these people end up? And it's just, you know, like I found I was really absorbed in it because I was thinking, yeah, I could live like that. I could just live in a caravan and go around the Australia just, until I died. It's just like, <laughs> bye, girls. Bye, everyone. Yeah. I'm, I'm off the Wi Fi. It's not working. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, even though it was quite, you know what I mean, sparse and everything, it was just, to me, I love the simplicity of the film. You know, they just didn't, you know, you're not bombarded with all these multiple plots, but it was so affecting, you know what I mean? You really got the sense of this woman's headspace, you know, that she was going through something and they didn't complicate it with any, oh, she's got to have a love interest, she's got to have this. She just has her own sort of path through the film and it was very, yeah. it was very and it was loosely based that, thing, that pathway. Yep. It was loosely based on the actual person that Chloe actually met and mm. she was actually in the film itself. Mm. And then she actually attended the Oscars with Chloe oh, as well, wow. I think. And so, and to, but she spent a long time trying to build up that kind of relationship because you wouldn't be able to just like, oh, I'm a filmmaker, I'm going to make a film. Da, da, da. You actually had to build up relationship and then write this amazing screenplay and then find the most amazing person to play uh, that character, which is Frances. Anything that she, she does, I think is gold. I absolutely adore her and and to Merce and for her to interact. So I don't know, I think some of the scenes are just ad lib. I think it's literally just, they just threw her in with these actual real nomads and, and just just did it, right? And, 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 the, and for Chloe and her team to capture it that moment and to be able to cut it into the film that she did, it, for me, that, that, that is absolutely incredible. That's, that's like, it's seamless, wow, wasn't know? it? It was seamless. You just couldn't, yeah. you felt like you were watching a documentary. The only thing was I know Frances McDormand is an actress and I, I recognise the other guy that was an actor in it. So otherwise I wouldn't yes. have, you know, there I wouldn't have two been, main actors yeah, in it. Yeah, and, and because, it, and it was beautifully shot. So you just kind of, it's like the most epic road trip, you know, in a way, isn't it? Like it's, and, and it's actually on the road trip of them. You actually literally mm-hmm. sat in that, like, you know, I can't remember what the was called, but like you literally sat there with her and you experienced what she experienced and she did like, you know, that job at Amazon and then, and then she did like that job at the like, Burger Joint mm-hmm. and then, and then she's just, sitting there and then when she goes back you know to the house and mm. that that end that long stare looking out i know i know you're just wondering the house but you know she's gone through like a catharsis you know through the film like you know that she's in a good headspace at the end sort of a different headspace to what she was in the beginning after the journey you know what i mean it was how they always say that you know you know it's the journey that's the you know, the point of exactly. a film, it's not the what she does. Like if that was a, Mar- I don't want to say Marvel film, sorry, Matthew, but if that was like a maybe a film, you know, that, that was that had a little bit of a Hollywood twist, they'd go, oh, what, someone's got to try and break in or, you know what I mean, they'd have to have an action sequence somewhere and <laughs> she's got a car chase or, do you know what I mean? It, it, was, it was great that it didn't compromise any of that, you know what I mean? And they just kept the story very simple. And um, the narrative very simple, and um, and you really you really felt is, it, didn't you? Yeah, but what's great is the director is Chinese, and she's born in China, and she was given that opportunity. I think when she made the film, I I'm, I'm not quite sure, you know, if she was already signed up for Eternals, but like um, a Marvel film. But it's it's great that she she felt like, hey, I I just done this indie film, 
but hey, let's do Infernos as well. Why not? Like, you know, I, I, I if, if given a chance, if someone offered me, like, you know, Sophia, you want to direct something for Mindfulness? I'm like, yeah, of course, let's just do it. Like, you know, because I think, like, when you're working in the independent scene, you could do it for life, but I think we're building a portfolio to be given maybe once a once a once in a lifetime chance to actually direct or produce something for studios, you know, because it is a completely different way of uh, making films. Um, it could, could, can be quite controlling and, and may not always be, you know, in sync with you as a filmmaker, but it's always good to, if you've given that opportunity and you're privileged to be given that opportunity, then if it works for you, then, you know, um, and your, your gut says, let's do it, then let's do it. And I think, you know, given Chloe is now, I, I think China had the backlash of her. I can't, I can't remember if she said something about China, but that's China, right? And so now she's like this, uh, this, um, black sheep that's mm. out there and it's like no she doesn't represent china but when she wins some it's like oh yeah like yeah. china's just one yeah. well you know more power to her you know it's all about representation in front and behind the camera isn't it Sophie? exactly exactly so so um yeah let's so what about what i'm trying to so, say it's more representation so let's talk about this other show that you recommended to me that I did, did watch recently. It was called Creamery. And um, of all the shows, I don't know, how did you find it? How did you discover it? Oh, I think, I think given, given um, I watch a lot of TV shows, it just um, someone was talking about it online. I think um, one of my exes, I think it was, um, she's um, Aussie Chinese. And she was talking about oh. And I kind of looked into it and I, I saw a trailer and the trailer was the most insane trailer ever where it was just men who are dying and, and puking up blood and spraying everywhere in the shower room. I was like, it's like the complete opposite of, you know, that show. Handmaiden tale. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, 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 and I stopped watching that because I think each time I finished watching an episode, it just takes a while because it's so traumatic and it, it's 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 a horrible experience, especially if I think if, I think if you identify as female, to watch that that show and, and and to think that that is a possibility of a world, you know. But primarily, kind of that this show kind of turned it upside down in the sense like the women were in charge and you're like, wow, okay, I'm gonna give it a try. So I watched one episode illegally online somewhere <laughs> i'm not telling you where so because given you're in hong kong you have vpn and stuff um you can access a lot of um, um shows outside of hong kong and I, I watched the first one i was like wow they like the three three main leads are asian and there's not a mention of their color their sexuality nothing it's just them leading this is this is amazing. I have to see the second episode. I think the first episode was just hilarious. It was dark humor, which dark comedy, I absolutely adore dark comedy. And 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 the, the three act, actors are just wonderful. They're like like wow, where where did they come out? I didn't realize the Kiwis had these three amazing actors and I would love an opportunity to meet them and talk to them. And I realized I, I Googled and I think they've actually worked on a web series together mm -hmm. with the actual director of the show. I can't remember what it's called. But, it's called um, Flat A, so yeah, I think. Flat, flat yeah, I've not seen it. I wonder if there's any way I can find it. Yeah, it's uh, on YouTube. 
I'm I'm gonna find it and watch it. But it's on YouTube legally or legally. You're not you're not gonna get any. I watched the whole thing on YouTube, like their flat eight okay. thing. It was really. You're not cool. gonna like, get any sleep tonight, uh, Sophie. <laughs> well, I, I I was going yes. to say with um. You know, because I after I watched the series, because you recommended it, so I watched one episode because it's on SBS in Australia, so SBS on demand, and so I watched one episode, and then it like um I was just talking to Helena about it. It had a hook at the end. You're like, oh, you had to watch the next one, and I just <laughs> stayed up the whole night watching the whole thing, and I was like really dead. But it's not just you know, it's not just fun, and it was so like Sophie said, it was just so refreshing to just see these these Asian female faces just driving it and just being you know just being crazy and but you know they're real personalities they weren't just representing asians were they they were just fully no. formed characters which was really nice to see and they had good such good chemistry you know and they were driving the story along and they were the ones driving the story you know they were the central characters and they were all different yeah, they weren't your stereotypical and they weren't your stereotypical yeah. Asian characters either. There's one lady. And Sophie said there was one that reminded her of me. And I, was, I and as soon as I started watching it, I, I knew who she was talking about. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God. And, then, uh, yeah, and it made me laugh even more when I knew that she thought that person was me. So, um, so yeah, it was, um, it was really good. I really um, – is it Alex? Which one? Was it Alex? No, it was the one who was really – was it Alex? Was it What's her name? I can't remember. I can't remember her name. Yeah, isn't that terrible? But, but um, it was just. But I think this kind of approach to Pip. It was Pip. Yeah. <laughs> be applied everywhere. It was. It's what we call like blind casting. Like you don't give the character um, a race. You know. Mm. Uh, I mean. They, gender for this one because that's the point of this actual Swift series but for me it felt like it was blind in the sense like it was blind they, they don't mm. talk in Asian at all at any one point I don't think there was anything you know mentioned or you, there's nothing stereotyped about any of their backstories as well it's very you know standard you know and one has a lesbian relationship but nothing's it's not the norm it's not not normal not you know it's just something that is right and, and that's what it should be and i i wish for more series like this more approach to series like this where you can just you know throw in three amazing actors like themselves and and just just do it you know and they drive it so well and it's so it's such a well-written show as well i i, I it's one of my favorite show of the year for sure 100 percent. like you know i was gonna say it's called flat three not flat eight but flat three because they all sort of hang out together. So if you watch that flat three, it's on it's on YouTube, flat three productions, and they've got okay. like mini. It's a web series. So it's like 10, 15 minutes an episode. So I watched. I got really hooked on that too because I liked the actors so much, and I just was watching it. I didn't binge that, but I watched it over a few days, and they had a really good episode. So it's about these three friends. Flat three is about these three friends, and they sort of two of them share. A, they sort of share a flat at one stage. And I remember, so they're, they're, it's the same actresses from Creamery. So they're the three Asian ones. They, they, they tackle more, um, more maybe some Asian topics there, you know, being, you know, Asian in New Zealand and stuff. But it's not, it's not always really heavy that way, but it's set in contemporary New Zealand. It's not some, you know, um, dystopia sort of world. But um, they had an episode. One of the episodes I loved was called, I'll just, the, the white episode. And 
And for that episode, they cast white actors as themselves for that one episode. And it really throws you. You realise how much you miss them and how important that representation is. You know, like I thought they were so clever. You know, they did that. And, and that's why I think you should watch. If you like Creamery, you really should watch where they started and then you can see why they all have such good chemistry and they've been going at it for a bit. I don't know, Matthew, if you, if you watch it, you were uneasy seeing that men were decimated and there was only 1%. And that man was, was also sexually harassed, right? And so, but that's how I felt when I watched The Handmaiden because it was the, I mean, white cis men rule the world. It doesn't matter. They, they're privileged. As soon as they're born, they, they, they're way heads and they're, they're way far ahead of any one of us. We have to work extra hard you know, to be, to be where we are, you know, and I think sometimes they, they don't even realize how privileged they are. And so I think when I watch The Handmaiden, it just puts everything, it's like, if I feel like every person that was Trump or something, you know, and, and that it could happen if Trump continued to, to rule, to, to be president, it, it could be a world that has happened. It's, and in some ways, it's very much like it. And I think that's why it was so uneasy, because you know, in the back of your mind, and I've been on this planet for more than 40 plus years, it could happen anytime. Like, black people did not have rights to vote until God knows when, and we're still fighting. Black Lives Matter is still, you know, now it's still very current, current you know, and Asian um, discrimination and race, you know, and that is very much very current. There's a lot of things still very current. To suddenly throw this series out during the pandemic the way that they did it's, it's gutsy and it's also like hey we we like we wrote this it's fantastic you should watch it how do, how do you feel when you i mean how did you feel about the show matthew when you watched it i mean what, what's your take on this one um i only watched season uh, i only watched episode one because i i was like this is i, I don't like it but <laughs> oh um, you didn't like it no, I was like, well, I, I kind of got really defensive um, after watching it. I was like, well, f- fine, why don't I just kill myself, you know? No. Um, but the guy's was... a good guy in it. You should have kept watching it. The guy ends up being a good guy. I, I, I liked, I really liked, um, I really liked Sophia's point on the whole, uh, the three main characters, you know, they're not saying, like, they're not paying an Asian stereotype or anything, like, they're addressed as, like, full Kiwi sort of characters um so i really liked that and i i really liked their performances but um I, I don't know i just like i think i think it's because it maybe hit a nerve um i started thinking like you know if they made a show about all the women missing and all the men being in there then be like there'd be quite a lot of outrage for that um but then again i guess they so you- sorry so you know how we feel when we watch Handmaiden? Yeah, I, I haven't seen people, that. <laughs> on a day-to-day basis, they get raped, you know, and, 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 and they have to do shitty stuff and they can't bear, only like an X amount of percentage of people can actually bear children. And when they, they have the, the, that child, it gets taken and ripped away from them, you know. That's how I felt every single episode I watched. It was very uneasy to watch. And that's one reason why I was like, no, nah, I'm not fucking on my brain anymore. I'm not watching this. But this one... It's the opposite, and I totally understand from your perspective. But you should continue watching it because it's incredibly well written, well acted, and the the, the man in the show is well written as well. There's a backstory. Mm. He, he's not just there for a token, uh, you know, 
Okay, yeah, I probably need to watch the rest of it. Yeah, I think you should just at least watch episode two. And I was just going to say it's probably confronting because there isn't that – you're you're experiencing what we usually experience, which is pretty much zero representation on the screen. Because <laughs> usually it's it's the other way around, where you don't get to see yourself represented. So it must be strange not to see a guy coming until like five minutes until the end, and all the ones are getting killed at the beginning. <laughs> it, it was it was it was confronting in a way, but it also made me like um, question my perspective as well, because it's like. As soon as I started watching it, I'm like, why are all these men dying? What the hell is this? Like, what, what, what's happening? And then I'm like, you know what? That It is like, um, you got, it's, it's hard to think from another perspective that isn't your own. You know, like empathy, empathy is a thing that's difficult for some people and some people are better at it than others. But I think if you haven't been in those shoes, it's hard to see what it's like. But I think, I, I guess maybe watching this show as a male you get to see some of that female perspective. But in saying that, I also don't think it's going to be easy. Like it's going to be one of those things where I'm going to have to sit there and go, oh, you know, I don't know if I want to watch this anymore. Like, no, keep watching, you know, it's going to going to get good. Um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, it's also because I'm mostly watching movies where um, I have changed a bit recently, but most of the movies I watch are like, you know, action or whatever, you know, or sci-fi or something where the woman is like a, you know, so maiden, and she's got to be saved or something. Yeah, yeah. But I, protagonist. Actually, yeah, but I, I've actually started watching um, new movies where, like, um, you know, movies like Milan or something, where um, that's actually Milan, not the not the 2020 version. I hated that, but um, the 1998 animated film. That's I've said this to Audrey before. That's my favorite animated film of all time. I just love how she puts on all the armor and she's like ready to like take on the the um the Huns and stuff and and no one judges her because they don't know she's a woman you know so they don't give her you know a lot of the time when you've got a woman in a position that's dominated by man then they'll get like heckled or you're all like you know they'll get treated differently which is I think what like what women mostly want is just to be treated equal but you know there's always that um there was that like not article there was that sort of thing that went on with armed forces where women weren't allowed to fight on the front line for so long because they always thought that men would um jump in front of them to rather than filling them like continuing the mission um but that's what i loved about milan was that no one gave her that special treatment like she just had to like train and you know fight as hard as she could to sort of stay in there you know she was just like a little boy Yeah, but, but that's that's the point of Milan. It's like she actually had to pretend to be a boy so that she can actually help serve the army and on behalf of her family. And the only way she got in the army was because she dressed up. But allegedly, she she did it to... I'm very old. I think, you know, she died of... She practically died on the battlefield. I think I think people knew who she, she was. And I think some things are lost in translation over the years. But... Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a very much man's world, and it still is. And that's what I'm saying. Sometimes you have to like, why am I dressed the way I am? I am like, you know, I I've, I've never really felt female enough, and I I feel like I think I think when I was growing up, I think first time I told my mom was like maybe I was already like maybe three or four. I, I could verbalize like, mom, I'm never I'm, I don't want to wear a skirt. I don't think I'm a boy, you know. And I and I literally said that to mom. My mom, my mom's like. 
yeah, okay, you can you can you can wear trousers. It's it's your choice. Like you know, but when you go to school, the fucking school will force you to wear a skirt because you're it's binary, right? Like in the world, this world we live in is binary, but it's not. I think I read an uh, an article recently. They did a survey, like, and it was a non-binary day uh, just yesterday. And my partner is a non-binary trans, and so so there there's more than like. 30% youth that identify as being non-binary. And I, I hope in the future that things should not be binary. It's not about, you know, you can't make an assumption that Sophia is she, her, you know, could be they, you know, or, or he, him, you know. And I, I hope that, you know, in the future that this is something that uh, kids will learn and not make that assumption, you know. And I think... Um, um, people work very hard especially Mulan I think she worked very hard to be aware in position of power and to make that difference and that's why her story came out because she made the difference and so her story is a lifetime story that has billions of films it's not just the one so the ones that you've heard about are the ones that got out from China literally in China they've made hundreds or, or close to you know I don't know 50 films about Mulan you know of different versions you know oh, really and so um yeah, yeah, many different versions. Like the Mulan, the story is because I think it's that old. It, mm. it doesn't have that copyright. Yeah, copyright. I'm going to say the copyright. <laughs> yeah, I think you can pay pretty much uh, to a certain degree. Mm. I don't know. Don't don't mm. if that's like gold. I don't know, but I, mm. I just know there's like lots of versions. I've heard of many versions. I recently the disney live action version at the same time there was another live action version in china that was released uh, just for the online um sector and so um you know this disney obviously did okay with their mulan um but you're you're right i, th I think the animated version is one of my one of my all-time favorites as well i think growing up you know uh, access to someone that looks like you mm. um, there's not a lot of and so when you see someone that's Chinese and she also dressed up like a boy you're like yes Milan kicked ass that's kind <laughs> of like me yeah. and I think that's why representation is very very important you know LGBT films are important because that's another type of representation that I, I strive to, to to change and it should be it should be commercial cinema, but half mm. the time programming for my uh, for the queer film festival here in Hong Kong is I have access to a lot of LGBT films, so you know I notice a list in our, our chat room that the films that you put out are all just the commercial ones. But you know there's hundreds more. Like my list for the, this year's film festivals that I've watched so far is about ninety LGBT films. Wow! You know, I, I don't wow. even gay films so that's minus the gay so i'm watching the lesbians the trans the non-binary the gender non-conforming um, um uh, yeah so like bisexual films pansexual films like there's just so many films out there you know that you don't get the opportunity to watch because they're not as marketable and they have to and that's why our film festival exists because we're the film festivals that bring them to the audience here in Hong Kong. So then, you know, so I was very lucky with my game film that I made with Andre is that got shown at Mardi Gras um, Film Festival in Sydney. And that 
you know, that got screened there. And it's the only opportunity for us to actually screen a film to an audience. Unless you're very lucky, you get picked up by distribution. And it doesn't happen very often. And so, for example, from the list, I can see, like, Carol is there. Carol is actually not a studio film. It's actually an independent film. And, and you know, but when you have, like, amazing actors attached to it, then obviously, you know, um, it, it gets picked up. And it won, like, all the independent awards you can possibly have, you know, but it didn't win, if it didn't pick up, I don't think it picked up anything at the Oscars, but I think it should have. It's, it's still a film that I, I turn to every Christmas because it's just so wonderful. It just touches everything mm-hmm. in me, like your moment and how they fell in love and stuff. And I read the book. That was only, I don't, I'm not very fond of like reading the book after I've seen the film, but that was one I was very interested to read the book to see how they interpret it. And when they released the book, I think she had to release the book in a in another name. It yeah, wasn't even her name, the person. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. And so, you know, and they did that because I think back then she couldn't release it, mm. you know, her own name because of she is, you know, and and it was quite quite concerned, right? And so so but it was, it was, everyone picked up the book because they're like, first time in their life they pick up this book. That's me in the book. Like, I'm, I'm a lesbian, you know. I, I, I'm in love with another, you know, woman, you know. And so, um, so I think, yeah, yeah, Patricia um, Hexsmith, Hexsmith, right? She wrote a lot of other... The only reason why her book got published is because she did a lot of other books that did really well. And, and also... Her, also not that well picked up back back then. I think nowadays, I think there was also another survey that I saw today is, is, is like um, women author books, uh, only only 10% of men read their books. Mm. <laughs> Except J.K. Rowling. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, I don't do J.K. Rowling anymore because oh, of our transgender right. issues. Mm. Yeah, so... Um, which is very sad on me, especially when you grow up in, in Harry Potter. And one of my lifetime dreams back then when I was working in London was to work on a Harry Potter film. I came very, very close. Someone offered me something, but it was an apprenticeship. And, and I think it was um, one of those kind of interns where you don't get paid, but you had to do so much stuff for it. And you already get paid for X amount doing some work. And you're like, but you're Harry Potter, you're a Hollywood film. Why am I not getting paid? you know, to do this. And so I, I declined, you know, I was just, I felt like it was just a driving job and I was like, you know, so, so yeah, like, again, it's about opportunity. That's why, you know, I, it's wonderful that Matthew, you, you saw one episode, but do give it a chance. I think, I think, you know, if, if, if you can bear with it, I know women drive the show is, it's a really well, incredibly well written show. Everyone has a backstory and you know why you do the things they do. It has surprises. It's it's definitely like laugh out, ha ha funny. I don't know if Audrey you laughed out really loud no, at some points. I did. I did. I, I did. Yeah. I did. And and not many shows could do that mm. to me, you know, and, and but I, I'm like you, Matthew, I love sci fi. And one of my lifetime dreams is to make a sci fi film myself. You know, I, I love Star Trek. I love anything sci fi. I'm a massive action fan as well. But I, 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 but it's like diversify. Like I think being a filmmaker, you, you, you're, you're just drawn to you know good films in general. Like 
making or, or even bad films I do watch because I, I think being a filmmaker, you also know how difficult it is to make a film. It takes me two or three years to find the finance to make a feature film, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of blood and sweat and tears, you know, and heartache and, you know, and you're like missed opportunities, you feel like. And then sometimes when you finish making the film, it might not be the right moment to make the film. So you sit on it for a while and then you find the right moment or you find the right film festival to premiere your film. It's, mm-hmm. it's all touch and go and, and very scary. It's like, it's like, it's like you giving birth. Like I've, I've never been a mother, but Audrey, you, you, you're amazing. I don't know how you do what you do. Being a mother is amazing. It's like, it's like you're giving birth and that baby has to go out in the world, but you're not quite sure how to deliver that child to the world, you know, and want to make sure that it has the best opportunity so people can see this baby of yours, right? And, th- and that's why it is every single one film that I've attached myself to are my babies, you know, they're, they're all different. And, and, you know, I've done LGBT films, you know, I, I've done rom-coms, you know, and, and one day I hope to do action and, and, and sci-fi. Yeah, sci-fi is definitely one and animation now as well and now I want to go back and an animated feature film you know mm. well, I, like stop motion. I love stop motion animation can you do that oh yeah stop motion is absolutely amazing and yeah. I think mm. Matthew you're right Eastwood is an amazing filmmaker coming from an actor's background and he's still making films in his 80s it's just incredible you know that he's given the opportunity. I think he's ninety now. Actually, I think he's 90. yeah, and he's still making films. He hasn't stopped, and I don't see myself from stopping as well. That is my honest truth. You know, it's like me playing tennis with Audrey. I don't think we'll ever stop. You know, yeah, like, I don't, I don't I want, want to have too many ankles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe we take to wheelchair. Who knows? <laughs> like we just love tennis so much that it's the same with filmmaking. If you love this so much. And you're given this privilege, this opportunity to make films. I'm going to continue. I'm not starving at the moment, but obviously, you know, I, 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 um, I don't have anyone that relies on me to bring in the bread and butter. You know, Audrey is different. You know, you've got family and stuff, and I'm very privileged. My parents don't need me to take after, look, look after them right now. You know, being Chinese, I think being also Asian, you're and i'm the eldest you know i'm female i'm not married you know so the expectation is like oh well you know you're not married you have you have excess income so you're looking after mom and dad regardless right yeah it's just the burden that's like given to me by my brother and my sister who are both like married you know in heterosexual relationship and both have children right and you're like mm, is that even fair right <laughs> but um, i think being chinese you're like it's okay because i understand what the blood that runs through my my veins. Like now, I've lived in this side of the world for most part of my my life. I now understand what it is to be Chinese, and I think you know it's it just it just happened. My my career was given to me by this beautiful place called Hong Kong, which has gone through really tough times in recent years. And I think each time I talk about it, my my eyes swell up, and it's just really sad to see where Hong Kong is right now. But I want to stay here till the last final moment. Until they throw me in jail, I'm, I'm going to continue to try <laughs> to I think it's really brave of you too to like still keep telling those stories when you've got like, you know, the CCP is quite a, uh, you know, controversial party at the moment and they're very like against any like freedom of expression. So I, I think like kudos to you to like keep fighting that good fight, you know. 
I think it's it's lucky that we're in Australia because, um, I mean, Australia has its own issues with racism, but um, and and you know LGBT issues. But I think you know the Western. I feel like Western culture is a bit more progressive than Eastern culture. Yeah. Yes and no. Like I, I lived in Sydney before. I I, I felt. The racism when I was there. I think I've never been mugged in my entire life, but I was mugged walking down the street in in, in Sydney, right? So, so um, but I never knew how how Asian I was until I, I um, I went to uh these countries. Like, like growing up in a wee town where I came from, and and you know in Scotland and Audrey's being it's tiny. Everyone knew everyone. I didn't even know I was that Chinese until I left and like you know moved in the big city or lived in London or lived in like Sydney for a bit you know because it, it was just so tame like the kind of racist things that I got shouted at was just very tame and like nobody touched me nobody dared to touch me if anyone dared to touch me all my friends would come in and, and punch them you know or or like stand <laughs> stood up stood, stood up for me right because I was the wee Chinese kid I was the token Chinese kid but all the Chinese people knew each other and there was only a handful of us like you know um but there was still still a nice little family community we're not blood related but we we called each other's auntie and uncle and you know and the kids were like cousins to us like you know or, or and we would play together every summer you know and we would share very similar stories you know and we all went you know, a separate way. Some stayed in Scotland, you know, others went moved to bigger cities and pursued their happiness in a very different way. You know, I, I certainly didn't see myself being a filmmaker, but now I can actually say, hey, I have an IMDb page. I think everyone can have one, but like I literally made these films and I'm still making these films. I, sometimes I make commercials and corporate stuff because I do need to pay the bills and stuff, but they're still in some ways still the movement image and I'm very very privileged privileged and very lucky that I got to to do what I, I love but um, it's interesting like Audrey and I we share very similar stories but we grew up in opposite sides of the world you know and and I think you know one day and hopefully you know in the near future you you might see a film that's like put together by our inspired by our stories you know because there's, there's so much to tell it that it's not just the LGBT and then you know, I, I think, and and I've I've noticed in, in Australia, there's not a lot of Asian films. So I don't know if you call Asian, Chinese people Asian there, but you know, because in America they do, but in 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 UK is East Asian, you know. And so there's not a lot of well-established, you know, or films that's like really like popped out from from um, Australia, and it's also the same for UK as well. And so hopefully things like that will will change. And, future. So I've been, I've been just, um, Helena wanted me to um, ask you, what, what was your favourite scene in Creamery? I know this is so off, off we've sort of gone off topic a bit, but um, do you remember, oh. do you remember any favourite oh, scenes my... from that? Uh, there's, there's quite a few moments I thought it was really funny. 
I think when the bloke was running around dressed up as a vagina or something. And, oh, and yeah. Just, at like, the, at the festival. At I, the... Thought was, I thought it was just so funny. <laughs> like, in your faces, it's... This is really bloke, selling it to Matthew. <laughs> it's so funny. And he's just running around, you know, with this, this thing on. And I just thought that was just so funny. And, and, they, had the, and they turned a lot of things upside down. So then you know, getting your period was a big deal. So there's like this ceremony yeah. and so it's just mm-hmm. running around in his vagina and then they're trying to do the ceremony at the same time. And, and it's just, there's so many moments. I, I, it's unquestionably one of my favorite all time shows because it's just so funny and I can't wait to see what they can come up with in the second season. And and New Zealand is so beautiful. It's just wonderful. And I felt like home. Just also because it's just so rural. I mean, where I grew up was quite rural as well, and everyone knows everyone's business, and and that's what this town is kind of like as well. You know, everyone knew everyone's business, and it it was such a diverse female cast as well. I mean, that's un- unbelievable. Um, uh, and I I hope they keep it up and and keep the show going. And twenty odd minutes is definitely not mm-hmm. enough, but. You're like I can watch all the entire series in one season because it's just so funny. And um, I, I definitely would be a dream come true if I get to meet any one of them, and including the um, director, the director, mm-hmm. writer. I think I would love to work with these people in the future. And I think Audrey's working on that. Yeah, I'm working on it. What I was going to say is, um, so what? What would you give Creamery out of five? Do you reckon, or a rating, or? What, uh, I would give it seven. Seven out of five. Seven out of five. <laughs> X, 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 it's, X. Uh, it's, it's everything that I like because it's 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 so now. I, I think we need like refreshing stories like that and stories to told from like from this kind of perspective. I definitely want to drive it to everyone, and I want people to to see it in the states and see you know i i hope they don't make a remake of it and and mm. and you know fuck that up or like you know yes. um, but you know what i mean like they're yes. always like oh well we're just mm. buying the rights and then mm. well let's just make an american version mm. of it right <laughs> so the, so the I, charm I, of it I, is I, in new zealand isn't it that's where the charm of the show yes, comes exactly. from and um yeah and the, and the charm of the show is definitely the the actors mm. they have for the show could I just ask one more question, Sophie? I've never found out from you. You know, how did you get your first big break in Hong Kong? I never found out your big break story. How did you get your foot in the door? Well, what's a big break to you? In your, well, in your... you know, you said you got your start in the Hong Kong film industry. How did how did that come about? I, I just wrote a bunch of letters to all these production houses and then one of them called me up mm. and uh they were called Salon Films, if you want to look it up. Mm-hmm. And then um, they, the boss has now passed away, but the boss back then was called a, 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 a bloke called Charles Wan, and he's quite a character. And uh, he spoke perfect English, and he met me directly. Like, he literally met me and talked to me. It's like, oh, Sophia, you know, like, and back then was a dumpy, you know, oh, Scottish Chinese girl who, who, who spoke very limited Cantonese. And I'm like, well, I just, I just want to know what it's like to work in the film industry. And then, then he's like, oh yeah, I think you've come to the right place. I'll, I'll get someone to say yeah. And so basically, we had a little natter about, you know, I, I told him I grew up in Scotland stuff, and he told me about the kind of stuff he did. And I write, oh yeah, I read you, you made, you know, Susie Wan and stuff, and you, you have these like amazing film cameras that only you, you, you have the um. 
you have the rights to and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I am very eager to 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 learn. So they just literally just threw me in the deep end. I think I started work literally the next day or next week. I can't remember. And the pay was peanuts. But it's like, it's my first paid job. It's like, why not? Like, you know, and everyone's just like, oh, that's the Scottish Chinese girl. They call me banana. <laughs> where does banana come from? Yeah. It's we're, we're yellow on the outside and we're white in the inside, you know. But um, they did all these like, what we call white low jobs, like a lot of like um, foreign jobs, like a lot of um, jobs that came from from um, the states and stuff. And so they managed to utilize my English speaking quite well because I would be able to communicate communicate to the, the crew quite well. And and I met quite a few famous people through. I I worked with Christopher Doyle in one of the commercials I did. Oh for wow! Them. So. Yeah, so so was he drinking? I was all starry and stuff, but yes, he was. That was my job to bring him his beer in the morning. My job was that. Yeah, but he was he was interesting work with. It was just really interesting to see how he controlled the set and how he could come later the, the director, but yet still get stuff done. You know, it was just it was just interesting. You know, when you're nobody and you get thrown in deep end, and you did everything. I remember doing shoots and not having more than two hours sleep or just enough time to go home and sleep. You know, and then come back out again. You know, and it was just that drive of wanting to learn more. But then I burnt out, and I'm like, I'm gonna do animation now. So I went to do animation next mm-hmm. in a place where they did. I don't know if you ever seen Kung Fu Hustle. Yes. Kung Fu Hustle yes. Yes. Like, very big time film yeah. um, that company that made Kung Fu Hustle that did the post-production work on that oh, wow. so I was also very lucky to work in that big production house as well so those were back in the early 2000 you know I was very lucky I had these um, opportunities and um, I think that was a very good foundation for me to continue to get educated in the film world and that's I think that's how I ended up up in Australia and that's how I ended up knowing you and then it just continued until I got my big break and I think my next big break as an independent producer was with Emily yeah so you could say that yeah sorry before we go Matthew will have to ask his uh, Marvel question because Sophie has worked on a Marvel film correct yeah yeah so what was it like working on Thor So Thor was interesting because I don't know if you know, uh, Chris Hemworth worked with, um, on a movie called, it's a high hat, um, black hat. I can't remember. It was shot in Hong Kong, uh, with Michael Mann, I think it was. And so, uh, he happened to be in town, uh, Chris Hemworth. Uh, Hensworth and then um, and then they had to do some reshoots so I didn't sign the NDA about the reshoots and stuff but um, basically my job was to assist with the reshoots and we were on set for only three days so my time with him was quite limited uh, it, was, it was pretty amazing because I literally sat in his, his uh, green room with him and his uh, assistant and his wife, who's lovely. Elsa Pataki? And, uh, I can't remember her, her, her wife's name. It's just her wife. It was just really yeah, nice. Yeah, that's a name, nice lady. Though. Yep. Yeah. She just, we just, like, hung out. And I, I just waited until the director called him. And then 
when we and what was really amazing to actually hold the prop the the hammer damn that was pretty amazing that's mad that was pretty amazing oh. I think. and then um and the costume oh my god is just to see it up front and touch it and stuff that was like wow and um he, but he was just a lovely bloke in general you know and i i got to learn a lot in the sense that it was i was all shot on green screen so they were just doing some research i can't tell you which part parts but um uh the research were very interesting uh to see how they did that um so yeah it was pretty cool the experience was one of my all-time favorite experience because i think in general it was it was so easy the three days you know and uh, the director was um what's the director's name it was really nice the director directed the episode in game of thrones um his name is um which Thor was it? Was it was a British bloke. Which Thor was it? I'll look it up for you. Was it Kenneth Branagh? Hey? Was it oh, Kenneth Branagh? No, no. I, I would know Kenneth. Was it Thor the Dark oh. World? It was the... Thor the Dark World? Which, which one? You just need to look at my IMDb. I think, oh, I, I, think oh, it was, I, I think it was the Thor the Dark World, which honestly was... Um, not not Alan the one Taylor. that I liked the most. Alan Taylor. <laughs> Alan Taylor, that's it. He did he did uh, one of the episodes of Game of Thrones, and I already like looked him up. I was like, wow, you did like an episode in Game of Thrones. I think he did like the Red Wedding, oh, the, the wow. one where, the one where everyone died. died, the main main one, season yeah, three. Yeah, I think he did that one. I was oh. like, I, I wanted to like pull him aside because I sat in the, I sat in his car to take him to set, yeah. right? And I wanted to like, oh. It's like, Alan, can you just tell me that episode? No, I didn't do it. I was very professional. I'm a very professional. Oh, I, I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. I feel like that would like, be so no, hard. I, I feel like that would be so hard because you want to be professional, but you also want to ask Chris Hemsworth if he'll get like a selfie with you. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. I, I, saw, I so wanted to. But I was like, no, that's very unprofessional. It's like, it's like me working on like with David Beckham on one of the commercials and everyone was like, did you get a selfie? I went, no, I'm a professional. <laughs> I'm like, I wanted it so badly, but no, I'm a professional. You, you just have to hope that they, they, they like, you pull out your phone and you got the camera or, and then catch them looking at you or something and quickly put it away and wait for them to, hey, would you like a selfie? Oh, well, since you're asking, I, I, I have to oblige. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Don't want to be rude to I the talent. <laughs> It's quite funny. I'm a producer, but I was never that tact. I was like, I was always quite shy. And I was like, no, I'm a professional. And I really take my job seriously, whatever you hire me. It's like Joseph Gordon-Levitt when I was working at Snowden. And we were like in contact day in, day out. And he gave me his personal email. It's like, oh, Sophia, you don't have to like personally just come to my door. I could just give me a quick email and I'll do what you need me to do. And it was just so lovely. But each time I saw him, I was like, oh, he reminds me of my brother. And I, I noticed he's actually, I think he's like the same year as my brother. And I was like, oh, I, I still want a selfie of him. I was like, I want you to sign my 500 Days Summer. Like, oh, I love that movie. Or something like, you know, because I just love it. And the same with Zachary Quinto. I actually did get a selfie of him because it was quite sneaky. I was like in the makeup room with just him. I was like, I think this is the best time. And he was just so forward. <laughs> and I was like... 
Thackeray is because I he's in Star Trek, right? So I'm like, yeah, gonna get a photo with you. <laughs> Scottish nerd. Someone, yeah. someone like, yeah, I'm such a nerd. But thank you for your time. It's so late. Yeah, really yeah. Are. We better yeah. we better wrap it up. Hasn't hasn't Sophie been great? Thank you so much, Soph, for um um the chat tonight. It's been it's been very illuminating for me because I think I talk so much. I never have. I've never listened to Sophie talk so much when I've had a conversation with her, so it's been really good for me to hear all about you and uh, how much you've accomplished and you're, you're amazing and uh, I can't wait to see what you do next. And, um, yeah. and obviously, you know, we'll keep our tennis chats going because, you know, it's, it's going to really... Okay, that last, last question. Who do you think is going to win the US Open this year? <laughs> It'd be Novak Djokovic. For oh, not sure. not in I the men's. What about in the women's? Do you think? Um, do you think is it um, Petrovic? Is that is that the woman who lost? Or do you think it's going to be? I heard they think it's going to be um, Sabalenka. I heard. What about good. Naomi Osaka? Or Osaka. I think if no Naomi Osaka does a good job in Japan, she might give US to try and retain her title. Show up. Another shot. Because she was impressive last year. She really was impressive. Mm. I think the hands down really impressive. Um, but uh, yeah, Sabalenka is the next person to maybe be able to break mm. through. I think it, it suits her, her game really well. So let's just see what happens in the Olympics. Because I think Olympics, I think if Naomi wins a gold medal, she probably won't do the US Open. She'll probably mm. just stay in. And because and, it's quite close, I'm not quite sure what the dates are for US Open right now. But I think they're playing on the same surface. I think they're all the hard cuts. So it's actually a good kind of a warm up thing because I think um, she needs competitive tennis, you know. So I don't know if it's Barty. It depends how well she does on her other tournaments leading up to the US Open. And hard court, it could be Sabalenka because she plays really, really well on hard court. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. All right. Matthew, what, do you want to say anything to Soph? Yeah, I just wanted to say thanks so much for the, for the, um, for the sort of all the information and all of the amazing stories as well, because, um, you know, it, it's such a different area of filmmaking. I've never been to Hong Kong, but, um, it, and it's, it's so good to actually hear someone who's, you know, been making films for what was that, 20 years, like um, how you've gone from the start and, where you are now where you're producing all of these like massive um, blockbuster films, but still staying true to yourself and doing those indie passion projects as well. Yeah. I wish I could attach my name as producer to blockbuster films. I'm just the second, second AD, just FYI. You know, I'm only just a tiny little cog in the massive cog when it's a Hollywood film, but maybe one day the next time, you're famous yourself and you have another podcast and we can have this conversation. Hopefully I will be able to tell you, yes, I produced and directed something for Hollywood and I would love to say that to you one day. <laughs> only a matter awesome. of time, Sophie. It'll yeah. be only so, a matter of time. It's going to happen. Just you got to think. It's, you look at Ash Barty. She imagined she was going to win Wimbledon and she did it. She made it happen for her. She, she wore Yvonne's dress and, oh, my God, so inspiring. Anyway, I'll, I'll stop talking about tennis. Thank you to everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our page is X versus Y podcast. Please subscribe or leave a review if you enjoyed this episode and let us know if you have any movies or TV shows you would like us to discuss. 
You can listen to our podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and heaps of other places. Tune in to another episode of Express's Wire coming soon. Your light is very near